I'm going to ask folks who are uh, first responders, people who work in law enforcement, the fire department, emergency, EMTs, and then also those who are frontline medical workers, people who work in hospitals, medical clinics, doctor's offices, whether you're a doctor, nurse, a technician, receptionist, but you're in those frontline areas. Uh, I'm going to ask all the first responders and frontline medical workers to stand, if you would. If you're in law enforcement, you're in the fire and safety... I'm going to ask you to stand and just want to recognize you and say thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for uh, what you do, uh, because I know with all the noise of, uh, that's gone on in our, our uh, country and even in our state and with some new mandates that came down, it makes like the medical world even more complicated. It makes uh, law enforcement and fire and safety and emergency management all very, very difficult. So... We, we thank you for being in that place of high exposure or perhaps high risk. Then I also realize that the school year is starting, and most teachers and school administrators probably in June were thinking, ah, this is going to be great now. And now there's all kinds of confusion and noise, and I know uh, uh, our neighbor next door, Oaks Christian, begins this week and a number of other schools. And so I want to ask all those who are teachers or receptionists, administration, uh, administrative resources in uh, private, public uh, schools, colleges, if you homeschool, anyone involved in education, uh, I would like to ask you to stand as we begin this new year and just want to, we just want to recognize you and thank you for what you're doing with the next generation. Thank you. Thank you so much. And if you see one of those folks that stood during one of those, and I know there are others we can recognize, but I know right now in the noise of our world, this is a crazy time for these folks. And so if someone was standing near you, go and speak to them, word of encouragement, and let's, let's pray for folks who have high exposure and just trying to deal with all the different mandates and things in their various circles. Um, you know, it has been noisy, hasn't it been, for several months, over a year, people shouting and differences of in information, and just a lot of noise and things, and I don't know about you, but I'm just getting kind of tired of it, Right? And I could spend some time in a new series trying to teach you how to win political arguments or how to be successful at philosophical debates, and yet that's not the mission or mandate of the church. It's not my mission or mandate. Actually, the mission of the church and my mission is far greater than that, far greater than that. We're called to make disciples who, as they are transformed by the Spirit of God, they live in love like Jesus, which means they live out his kingdom values here. And that's what's going to change our community, our state, our nation, and our world as the gospel of Jesus Christ and his kingdom spreads through us. And so we're going to spend the next 12 weeks focused on flourishing in our walk with God. A new series we begin today, Journey, How to Walk with God. And we're going to be looking at spiritual practices, things that we build into our personal lives, into our family lives, into our church life, so that we can grow and thrive and flourish as the followers of God, and we then can live out his kingdom values and share the hope, the sweet, sweet hope of the good news of Jesus Christ with others. And so we're going to talk about how we walk with God and looking specifically at this uh, through the, the lens of Jesus, what he taught, what he practiced. Even as he walked, God the Son walked here on earth, how did he walk with God the Father? And we'll look at things like Sabbath rest, and we'll look at confession and community. We'll look at uh, the scriptures and how they have a part in that. Today we're going to begin the first spiritual practice we're going to talk about this weekend is worship, ascribing worth to God, worship. 
And there are two basic responses we have in worship to God. We bow down in humility before him, and we lift him up in our lives and glorify and exalt him. So today, if you want to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 19, we'll be looking there in just a moment. But I want to encourage you to think about what a spiritual practice is. Spiritual practices are intentional behaviors, habits, disciplines that help us walk with God and be transformed into the likeness of Christ. These are things we do so that we flourish in our walk with God, and as we walk with God, we experience him. We, we are in a position and a place as we practice these habits, disciplines, or behaviors that we allow God to mold us and shape us and make us more like Jesus. So what does that look like when we're talking about the practice of worship? Well, the practice of worship is this. As we bow down before and lift up God, we position ourselves to experience God and his transforming work in our lives. Why is that important? Well, as we worship, we place ourselves in a place where we bow down to God, we lift him up, and we meet him. He meets us in that moment. And as he meets us in that moment, he then, through his Holy Spirit, transforms us from the inside out. And as we're transformed, we then live in love like Jesus in this world. And as we live in love like Jesus, then our world is changed as his kingdom comes through us and into this world. Worship is a critical and essential part of our walking with God, not just in gathering together like this, but also as individuals in our own lives. In Luke chapter 19, it's uh, the Sunday before Jesus' crucifixion, sort of the end of his earthly ministry. He comes down the Mount of Olives, and as he enters Jerusalem, he enters on a donkey, and it is a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies of how the Messiah, the Redeemer, the King of the Jews, the King of kings and Lord of lords would come into Jerusalem. And as he's coming in on the beginning of this Passover week, there is an interaction he has with the religious leaders because of how the people respond to Jesus. Look at Luke 19, verses 37 to 40, if you would. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, they cry out. Peace and in heaven and glory in the highest. But some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Jesus here tells us that as God the Son, he is worthy of worship. They want the crowds to stop worshiping him as he comes in in this triumphal entry into Jerusalem, fulfilling all these promises. And he says, listen, if they stop, the, even the inanimate objects of creation will lift me up. As we talk about worship today, we're going to look at three elements or three aspects of worship that are critical for us to cultivate into our lives. The first one is this, it's praise. We worship him because of who he is. We worship him because of who he is. And we have two responses when we consider he is sovereign, he is loving, he is gracious, he's merciful, he, he's omnipresent. We, we consider all that he is and his attributes, characteristics, even that which is found in the names for God. When we just step back and we recognize who he is, there are two responses. The first one is there's humble reflection. We realize you are God and I am not. That causes us to bow down in reflection, to contemplate God and who he is. The second one is joyful celebration. Because once you say, I, 
I, I am not you, God. You are God and I am not. And, and it causes humility. But then when we recognize what he, what he offers us in who he is and, and what it means to walk with God, the God of the universe, the creator and sustainer of all the universe, the one that if we don't praise him, the rocks will praise him. There is a joyful celebration that comes from our hearts. In the midst of that, that humble reflection, there is a joyful celebration. And that's what you saw as he walked into Jerusalem on that wonderful entrance into Jerusalem that day. I like how Francis Chan says it. Isn't it a comfort to worship a God we cannot exaggerate? Try to exaggerate God. You can't. And so part of worshiping him is praising him for who he is. Throughout this service, as we talk about worship, we're going to worship together. And Michelle Toombs, a pastor of, our pastor of worship ministries here at Calvary, uh, took some of the words of the doxology and put together a song and an arrangement that I want you just to, as you're seated there, allow this to draw your heart and mind to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, our God, three in one. The words of the doxology. Remain seated until Michelle has you stand. We're going to just spend a few moments focusing on praising God simply and purely because of who he is.
Amen. Let us continue to sing together of his greatness.
praise you for life and breath and it's our honor lord in these moments just to give it back to you and say thank you you are worthy we praise your name in jesus name we pray amen you can be seated in worshiping god we begin with praise worshiping him because of who he is the second element of worship when we practice worship before god is gratitude we worship him because of what he has done we worship him because what he has done in our lives and is doing in our lives. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, the following Sunday after Jesus went into Jerusalem, this is now three days after Jesus had been crucified. He is now raised on that resurrection morning. And in the evening of his resurrection, he appears to his followers in the upper room. And they are so excited to see him, and they, they, they know that he is alive. They see him. They see the nail prints in his hand, even in his glorified body, and the spear mark in his side. They know he's alive. But there was one of the disciples not in the room, a guy named Thomas. And they come out of there, and they're telling, Thomas, you missed it, man. He is alive. And Thomas says, you know what, I'm not going to believe that until I can touch the nail prints and I can touch the spear mark in his side. One week later, the next Sunday night, the disciples and the other followers are gathered in the upper room. Jesus again comes into their midst, and there Thomas is, and there is Jesus. And Jesus says to Thomas in verse 27 of John 20, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. You just sense him falling down in recognition of who God is. Remember how I said he had to touch the nail prints? He doesn't have to touch them. When he sees Jesus, he bows down in worship, my Lord and my God. And you see him lift up who Jesus is, my Lord and my God. The nail prints represented for Thomas what, what Jesus had done for him. And they will forever represent for us as we look at those nail prints in his hands one day in glory with him. They represent what he has done for us. When you think about what you have to be grateful for or thankful for, it's, it's important for us to recognize two major things. One, Saving grace. We can thank God for saving grace. You see, we're all born sinners with our backs to God. No way to rescue or save ourselves. But Jesus came, he died, was buried, and rose again so we could be forgiven of our sins and have life with him forever. But there's nothing we can do to earn that or accomplish that. Not go to church enough, not be good enough, not to be better than other people because we still will fall short. But all we have to do is put our faith in Jesus and God picks us up, turns us around, forgives us, gives us new life and a relationship with him forever. That's called grace, God's goodness we don't deserve. And that's saving grace. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, do so today. Experience that goodness, that saving grace. 
We'd love to celebrate with you. Just let us know today's the day you receive Christ. If you have questions even, just text the name Jesus to the number available below me on the screen. Just take Jesus, put that in the message, and to that number, and we'll send you resources. We'll follow up with you. We want to we celebrate that you now know Jesus or answer any questions you have. I'll be available out on the uh, patio afterwards. Other pastors will be available. We can help you know that saving grace. There's a second aspect of the goodness of God and what he does for us and what he's doing for us. And that's sovereign good. It's not only saving grace, but it's his grace and goodness in his sovereignty. So that no matter what we're going through as his children, he's using the good, the bad, and the ugly to make us more like Jesus, to conform us to the image of his son. And so we look at this grand tapestry on the bottom and we see all the knots and the phrase and we don't know all the patterns as we go through the ups and downs of life. But God sees it from above. He knows he's working something beautiful and perfect in your life. And so we thank God for his saving grace that's found in Jesus. We thank God that, that he sovereignly is working all things for our good so that we can be conformed to the image of Christ, so that we can live out his kingdom values and live in love like Jesus in our world today. When you think about the goodness of our God, truly, his saving grace and his sovereign goodness, truly, that's amazing grace. Would you stand as Scott leads us in this song, This Is Amazing Grace? If you're watching online, this would be a great opportunity to get the elements of communion ready. If you're in the room, that little packet, because in a few moments, as we reflect on what Jesus has done for us, in a few moments, we're gonna partake of communion together. But let's sing about our Savior. Let's express our gratitude and thanks to God for what he has done and is doing in our lives through Jesus.
to share from scripture as we continue in worship see the sun is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation for in him all things were created things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities all things have been created through him and for him he is before all things and in him all things hold together amen Sing out in Christ alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, thrown through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of
Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You can take the elements of communion, the bread and the cup. Again, if you're joining us online, please uh, lean in with us as we reflect on what Jesus has done for us, just as we've sung about it. Jesus, when he instituted the Lord's Supper communion, he talked about the bread representing his body. You know, it, it reminds us that God sent Jesus to us. He walked among us. He took our place on the cross. Uh, he suffered and died, was buried, and he conquered the grave. He was raised in bodily form, went to be with the Father, and is coming again. The bread reminds us of the body of Christ. The cup reminds us of the price that was paid, the sacrifice that was made when the innocent Lamb of glory gave his life for you and for me. The Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, for I pass on to you what I have received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Let's take of the bread together.
Paul goes on to say, in the same way that he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death till he comes. Let's take the cup together. Take a moment and just silence. Express your gratitude to God. Thank him for Jesus and what these elements represent. Just take a moment in your own heart to cry out to God in gratitude, in worship. Father, thank you for the words we've sung. What we've read from the Apostle Paul regarding what your son said these symbolic elements were all about. Father, in a very noisy, noisy world, a lot of confusion, suspicion, and distrust, thank you that we can rest not only our lives today, but our Entire, entire destiny in Jesus. Thank you for the love you've shown us in Christ. Thank you for what the bread and the cup represent in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Amen. Thank you so much, Michelle and Scott and team. If we're going to practice worship, so we position ourselves to be in a place where we can experience God and His Spirit can shape us and mold us and make us more like Jesus so that we impact this world from our community to our state to our nation and to the whole globe, then we're going to, first of all, we're going to praise Him. We're going to worship Him because of who He is. Secondly, we're going to have a a grateful heart. There's going to be gratitude in our hearts. We will worship Him because of what he has done and is doing. And thirdly, the third component of worship is trust. Trust. We worship him because of what he promises us, what he promises he will do, how he will provide us eternal security and safety in him through the finished work of Jesus. We trust the promises that he gives to walk with us in everyday life. In the life of Jesus in John chapter 4, There's a story of Jesus going out of his way to intersect the life of a woman who really has a very broken past, a woman who has been abused and used, a woman who has been caught up in a lot of sin. She's she's so broken and has such a sinful past that even her community has shunned her, and, and Jesus interacts with this Samaritan woman by a well, and he asks her for some water, and they have an interaction about water, and then he talks about how he can offer her eternal, life-giving water. Uh, He can quench her thirst. And as he's talking, she gets a little uncomfortable because he's speaking directly into her life and, and doing it with grace and kindness. But she throws up a kind of a theological debate between the Samaritans and the Jews. And uh, she says in John chapter 4 and verse 21, you will worship the Father. She asks him, what about worshiping on the mountain in Jerusalem like the Jews, or do we worship here in this mountain like the Samaritans? And he responds to her, you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Then in verses 23 and 24, he says, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. See, worship isn't just some formal external thing we go through. Worship is something deep within us where our hearts and our very souls respond to who God is and what he's done for us and what he promises us. And so she gets caught up in the formalities, and often we get caught up in the formalities of what worship truly is or how do you do that, where do you do that? When in reality, Jesus says, my Father is seeking those from their, their innermost being. They will worship, and even the Holy Spirit within them will help them worship him. And he says, in the Spirit, where it comes deep from within us, even as the Spirit helps us worship. And then he says, and truth. I meet a lot of people who are worshiping the God they want rather than the God who is. The truth is we've got to recognize who God is according to his revealed scripture, and we need to understand that God, not the God we want, but the God who is. That's who we worship. Maybe you came in here today and you're caught up in all the noise and confusion and the postings and all the things that go on in our culture right now that just are confusing and noisy. I hope that this morning, some of that, as we've, as we've focused on this practice of worship together collectively, I hope some of that noise has moved to the margins of your heart and mind. And that Jesus Christ, 
our Lord and Savior is in focus afresh for you today. Why is that important? Well, we worship him because of who he is. We worship him because of what he is doing and has done for us. But we worship him out of trust. We worship him because of what he promises. What does he promise? Well, he promises he will be with us and never leave us. He promises that we will live with him forever. He promises us that he will walk with us through, through the darkest valley as well as the mountaintop. He promises us that when we're weak, he will make us strong. He promises us that he will use us as salt and light in this world as we are conformed by the Spirit of God into the image of his Son. You know, with worship, there's a part of trust that's letting go, letting go of our ideals or our thoughts or the way this person should operate or the way this should work out, and it's all this way, Lord, or I don't know if I can trust you. But part of our response to our God in worship is, I'm going to trust you completely. I'm going to lean in even more. No matter what the noise is in this world, I'm full on leaning into you. I'll tell you what, I'm resting my hope not in political structures or power structures or, or this or that. I am resting my hope in Jesus Christ, the power of the gospel, and his kingdom unleashed through our lives as we are transformed into the image of Christ himself. And I believe that when we fully trust our God with everything, our lives, our day-to-day -day ups and downs, everything we're going through, we're gonna find something so sweet in our journey with him as we worship you see, when he talks to this woman, he kind of promises her two simple things. Number one, help for today. Help for today. He, he interacts with her and gives her help in this moment. And then he gives her hope for tomorrow. He talks about being living water that's going to last forever. She's so excited. She goes into town and she starts saying, come see the one who told me that he's the Messiah. He's standing right here. Come see him. And, and she's bringing others to him. And pointing others to Jesus. And oh, that's what we need to be doing. Trusting our God so much that we see him not only as the resource and the savior of our souls, the, 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 the one we walk with day by day, but the one that others need and we bring others to him and trust him with even the lives of other people. Let me give you a few next steps in your journey with God. Just as you think about these three elements, praise, worshiping God because of who he is, gratitude, worshiping God because of what he has done and is doing, and trust, worshiping God because of what he promises. Let me just give you a few next steps. Number one, lean into worship services regularly. You're here this morning, great. You've joined us online, great. Can I encourage you? Don't take gathering together in corporate worship as a body of Christ lightly. Let's gather together. If you can't be here and you have concerns and you, you, you can't be on campus, then join us online. But don't miss out on the opportunity to let the noise of this world move to the margins of your life and get Jesus at the center of your focus in worship. Secondly, sing or listen to worship music. This is in your own personal life as you do some devotions. Maybe you read the Take Five, you read some scripture. Then sing a song to the Lord or let a song play. We've created a website I'll give you the reference to in just a moment, but all the songs we've sung today are on that website and even a couple others that can help you in worship this week. Play one, listen, sing in the car. Maybe see you're a terrible singer. God doesn't mind. 
Spend some time as an individual, as a family, as a couple, singing praise to God. Number three, read psalms of praise and adoration back to God. There's some great psalms you can just read as praise to the Lord for who he is and what he's done and what he promises. And we've given several of those psalms on this website, this webpage on our website. And then fourthly, name the characteristics or attributes to God as you pray. Just say, God, you are holy. You are merciful. You are sovereign. You are patient. Just lift up God. We've put together a resource there. We can go find scriptures to describe the various characteristics and attributes of God and just exalt him again in your own personal life. We should gather together to worship like this. Corporate worship together as a church body is so important, but we can do that also as individuals, cultivating the practice of worship so we position ourselves to be in a place where God will meet us and we'll experience him and his spirit will transform us and make us more like Jesus, unleashing his kingdom through his people, which will turn this world upside down. Can I encourage you to lean in? The website you can go to for all these resources is calvarywestlake.org walk. Each week we'll update it to help you with each of these 12 practices we're gonna look at. calvarywestlake.org walk. You know, ultimately, when you spend time in worship, you praise God for who he is, you thank God for what he's done and what he's doing, and you trust God because, and worship him because of what he has promised, then you have hope. You have hope. Throughout the last several months, there's been a song that has just really gripped my heart. It's been the cry of my heart to the Lord. No matter what we're going through, fire or flood, up or down, no matter what we're going through, we can cry out that we have this hope. Listen, as Scott sings this song, and I've probably listened to it hundreds of times in the last year, probably daily, I have this hope. As I walk this great unknown Questions come and questions go Was there purpose for the pain? Did I cry these tears in vain? I don't want to live in fear I want to trust that you are near Trust your grace can be seen in both triumph and tragedy.
in the depths of my soul in the flood or the fire you are with me and I have Father, that's the cry of our heart. We have this hope. And we worship you because of who you are, because of what you have done and are doing, and what you have promised. Father, forever, may your son be glorified in our lives as we live out his kingdom and walk with you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>